He was chasing with the train down Dixie. He must have seen the barriers down. He tried to do a zigzag to get around. How many times have we heard that? Somebody trying to zigzag, getting around the crossbars when you have a bright line train coming. And in the grand scheme of really boneheaded moves, this will always be at the high end of that, right? I mean, the trying to get around the crossbars thing. But with Brightline, I mean, seriously, how long does it take? Is it like 20 seconds from the time those crossbars go down, you know, or so to, you know, you, you have to sit there? Maybe by the time the whole thing's done, maybe 45 seconds to a minute. I mean, you have you have plenty of intersections where you have lights that are longer than it takes for the whole Brightline thing to happen. So why is it that people continue to do this? But nevertheless, it is an issue. And even if it's the fault of the driver's, well, what do we do about this? Brightline is actually hoping that the feds might step in, take some action. Somebody who's been on the case and an advocate for high-speed rail for quite some time, the founder of the High-Speed Rail Alliance, Executive Director Rick Harnish joins us. Rick, thanks for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Rick, I mean, we do have this issue. On one hand, it is just so incredibly foolish for people to be doing this and in every instance we can't get really more than a week sometimes no more than a couple of days without having a problem somewhere in south florida with somebody who's doing this it it is ultimately a problem though that has to be dealt with that people are going to continue to repeat this behavior what's your perspective and what kind of expertise can you bring to the table here well you know i i think you you hit it on the head this this clearly is people doing some dumb stuff, um, and it's part of the overall problem that we have in this country, period, with people not driving very carefully. So you've got this level of stuff happening at intersections all through Florida, but it's kind of we've become numb to it, so we don't we don't recognize it. But you add a train to it, and it adds a little bit of, of news. But really, it's on the... On the railroad, I'm excited or not excited. I'm very glad. I'm happy that uh, Brightline and Florida East Coast are taking steps to make those intersections even safer. Uh, we should have a program like that across the country for all railroads, um, in addition to really rethinking the way we design roads to make them safer in general so that driving in general is safer. That's an interesting point, and I, it's something that Brightline has referenced as well. Perhaps redesigns, rethinking the way we've always done things as we are using high-speed rail, which we hadn't used previously. What are some of the ideas? How might things be different that might help guard against these types of issues? Well, so the things they're doing are, are excellent, um, making the, the crossings more visible, um, education campaigns, I, you know, we've got lines up here in Chicago that are much busier, that we don't have these problems. Um, and um, I don't know what the difference is. Maybe it's just we're used to it up here, and so people are a little bit smarter about it. Uh, but also, you know, um, quad gates, where it makes more of a visual uh uh, barrier so that both sides of the road have a gate covering them so it's less likely that somebody would say, oh, I can go around that. Yeah, Rick, we have the most expensive auto insurance policies in the country in South Florida, and 
it's because sadly it's been earned. So unfortunately, <laughs> we just have that many people that are not minding the store behind the wheel. And it, it is worse here, I have no doubt, because of, of that type of phenomenon, which isn't new, but uh, is introduced in this particular setting. What have you noticed? Like, you know, for example, you, you do have people that are, are anti-brightline, anti-high-speed rail, and this to them is, you know, fuel for the fodder, uh, or fodder for, and fuel for the, for their argument. What have you noticed in terms of attitudes and, and, you know, dealing with that type of, of headline risk to an industry that's still trying to make its way? Well, yeah, so that is a big problem. Um, and, you know, if folks, if folks think that everybody should be forced to drive um, and, you know, don't think we should have trains, this does add to a, a uh, another cudgel to beat over the head, and that is a problem. Um, I will point out that the people who are taking the train are much safer uh, because they're on the train. Um, so that is a, a key advantage. Um, and I, there's another thing I want to point out, which is, you know, typically around the world, um, high-speed rail is trains running faster than 150 miles an hour. And in those cases, you have no grade crossings whatsoever. Um, and that is something that we actually we should be getting to in general is trying to reduce the number of, of grade crossings overall so that um, – so the trains can go faster in general. Yeah, it's a good point. And, I mean, the bullet train is, is a great experience in, in Europe for sure. Well, Rick Harnish, the executive director of the High Speed Rail Alliance, appreciate it. Thank you very much.